to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Hello, this is Dr. Regan. I'm the host of your podcast, Autism in the Adult. And today we're going to talk about the topic of self-advocacy. And many of you may have heard of this. It's a really big uh, word and concept within um, especially high schools. Once you get to the high school age, they'll often say they're wanting students to self-advocate. And it's also a big word within communities trying to empower individuals with disabilities to really to be a voice and to have a voice in their own care plans and their own Uh, life choices. So what is self-advocacy? It's defined as the ability to speak up for yourself and the things that are important to you. Self-advocacy means you're able to ask for what you need and want and tell people about your thoughts and feelings. The goal of self-advocacy is for you to decide what you want to do and then to develop and carry out a plan to help you get there. And that is the definition that comes from selfadvocatenet.com. I want to take a step back and talk about why self-advocacy is so important. I want to acknowledge that, that we really don't want anyone to be roughshod um, by someone else that tells them what they should need or want or how to define themselves. However, the the difficulty and the concern that I see within the autism spectrum is that many of these qualities that make up self-advocacy are really neurologically difficult in the spectrum. And that can be a problem if we're telling people to self-advocate and not really assisting them in doing so. So for example, in a high school or a college environment, Self-advocacy ends up meaning that the individual's parents really are discouraged from being involved in any communication with the school, that the student should be self-advocating. The student should be approaching the administration, should be approaching teachers and verbalizing what they need, what their concerns are, and what their plan is for achieving what they need. Self-advocacy in a medical setting may look largely the same, that the patient, the client, is encouraged to speak up for themselves, to approach the team, to start a communication about what they desire and how they plan to get there. 
If you know a lot about autism, you can already start to realize that there are significant reasons that this is very difficult and sometimes impossible for someone on the spectrum to manage without a partner, without um, access to a support person. Let's talk about three reasons why the individual on the spectrum may struggle with the demands of self-advocacy. So by definition, self-advocacy requires the individual to identify their own areas of struggle, why they struggle in those areas, and what will be helpful to them. So let's take a, a step back about the neurology of autism. The brain pathways that run through the center and into the front of the brain are the areas that control what we call executive function. And these pathways are also the seat of many of the autistic characteristics that the individual experiences. Something called metacognition is part of executive function, and it's often really difficult for those who are on the autism spectrum. So metacognition, what is that? Well, it's the ability to identify what we know and what we don't know. It's this ability to search our inner world, search our brain, to know where things went wrong and why, and to come up with a plan to really help with that. So our brain is using metacognitive function when we say, uh, Professor, I understand the first part of the theory you're discussing, but where I get lost is X, Y, and Z. That expresses the brain's ability to search itself and to do kind of this analysis, right? That, oh, I understood all this first part and then I got lost here. Or Dr. Smith, I understood what you said about picking up my medication, but I didn't understand what you said about taking different amounts each day. So metacognition is at play in that ability to decode where we got lost. It's also at play when we identify why we're lost and what would help us better understand. For example, a student might say, I think if you explained this piece of the physics equation in a different way, it might help me understand. So let's think about an analogy to make a comparison. So let's assume that we determine that seeing color is very important for many life tasks. And we tell those around us that because color distinctions are important, we expect everyone to demonstrate this skill. But what happens is that for the person who's colorblind, although we may agree that it's theoretically understandable to encourage people to use this critical skill, we're really not acknowledging that it's pr not practically achievable for people without that physical ability. So we can't just decide that something is important, like metacognitive skills, and then require that people show those skills without assisting them if they're unable to go through that process alone. Number two, self-advocacy requires us to tell people about our thoughts and our feelings. And by definition, autism includes significant neurologically-based difficulty, one, in identifying what's going on inside of us, 
So gosh, I feel like there's badness for me in this school. I'm I'm not getting it. I'm not I'm not doing well. But what what else about my internal state can I figure out? Well, for the autistic that's going to be neurologically more difficult than for the neurotypical. Also, this part of communicating, we have to be able to wrap words around our inner experiences. How would I explain this? How would I communicate it? I'm talking to my teacher and I don't feel like I'm getting my actual need out and I don't know how to say it. It requires approaching other people to start a conversation. This is called social approach and it's part of the first criteria for the autism diagnosis where this ability to approach someone and to start a conversation and to communicate our thoughts and ideas, that's by definition very difficult for the autistic individual. And just the ability to express what we're struggling about face-to-face sometimes or over the phone. Many of my clients won't talk over the phone and they really avoid face-to-face contact. So the second reason that self-advocacy is difficult is it requires us to identify, put words around, and communicate to other people our thoughts, our feelings, and our needs. Number three, self-advocacy requires, as the definition we read through before indicates, it requires us to develop and carry out a plan to help get what we need. So this planning requires executive function skills. Planning is part of executive function. It is a neurologically based skill. And the individual on the spectrum will typically struggle knowing what's most and least important. So prioritizing in the plan. Planning, so breaking broad goals into smaller achievable steps and shifting their own behavioral patterns. So they'll get into these repetitive loops and not really be able to make progress independently uh, toward shifting their whole behavioral pattern. That, again, is part of the root of what the neurology of autism is. So even though it's with the best of intentions to empower people to advocate for themselves, the unintended consequence of requiring independent self-advocacy skills uh, from the individual on the spectrum is that many silently suffer and they become mentally paralyzed and unable to seek help in crucial situations. One of the things we know about autism is that adaptive behavior is often much lower than intellect. And where I see this take place is that for individuals in high school and in college, you know, the administration will not allow parents to be part of this educational planning team anymore uh, to a great extent. They want the student to be communicating to teachers directly. And I do understand that. But again, neurologically, that's part of what's lower, this adaptive behavior, which is the ability to get through the day independently, that these are people who may be very bright and have great intellect, but their ability to do day-to-day tasks 
without assistance, like communicating, like uh, taking care of their hygiene or planning out their educational agenda, these things are much, much harder. So picture the university student who stops attending classes due to increasing social anxiety, and they fall through the cracks until a full semester has passed. Or consider the autistic adult with chronic medical conditions who allows an infected wound to go untreated for five months before becoming septic and ended up in the ICU. We want people to tell us what they need. We want people to self-advocate. But we also have to come alongside people who need assistance in this area so we can do better. When we fully understand individual differences and the impact of neurology on behavioral patterns, we can create expectations that are both achievable, empowering, and safe. So what should we do? First of all, partner with the individual to identify his or her needs. When we realize that the ASD individual, the autistic spectrum disorder individual, may not understand when, how, or why a situation has begun to fall apart, we can help them. So one approach is to point out what we observe and ask for their input. We might say, I think an important thing that got missed in this situation was X, Y, or Z. What do you think? Some people will really benefit from this type of coaching. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I didn't even know that was important. I didn't know I should pay attention to that. And so we coach them to say, this got missed. It actually is important. Let's look for this next time and see if we can integrate this piece. Another way to support the individual is to involve more people in the communication itself. More people in the medical team, more people in in the educational system where we have family and friends that are also communicating. And we can allow these teams to be wellness teams or to be education teams. So allow and encourage supportive individuals in the autistic's life to become part of this team of people advocating for him or her. Of course, we do this with the individual's permission, and oftentimes they are more than happy to have these supportive people come alongside them to help them navigate some of these uh, independent activities they're supposed to be doing. Parents will often play a key role in the success of the ASD college student, and adult children may help an autistic parent manage medical conditions and communicate with agencies or physicians. If no family members are available, identify a point person to cultivate communication and relationship with the individual. So for example, a counselor could check in frequently with a student. Maybe they develop this kind of supportive relationship where they then can come alongside and help them with this self-advocacy journey. A nurse or a caseworker could reach out and check on the ASD individual's wellness in his home environment. Number three, involve these support individuals in the planning process and in the execution of plans. Assist the autistic adult with goal setting and planning. So include strategies to move forward and make progress. 
Be present, be available to monitor progress and help the individual get unstuck when barriers occur. The importance of having achievable expectations for others that are individualized and consistent with each person's ability level cannot be overstated. We can do better at encouraging independence and advocacy while also coming alongside and making sure people don't get lost or glossed over. We can do better. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you come back next time.